And I believe that we are we I thought live? You were gonna sing a song. I believe. I believe. <laughs> I believe that we are live. <laughs> All right, man. Welcome to. Um, do, you, do you know? You understand why Nick just did that? It's from his great coffee from IHOP. It, that's got to be why. Oh, yeah. It's already having uh, adverse effects on you. See, Scott judges all my coffee choices, but if I had the same standards of you, I would never drink coffee. Well. And I like coffee too much to never drink it. I like coffee, too. There are ways around that. So, yeah, roasting your own from Kenya. I don't have a budget for that. <laughs> we are working on the budget proposal for this year, so we're trying to find a way to sneak that in. Trying to, uh, yeah, under global, under our Go ministry. Oh, or if you're out there and you just want to sponsor us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could use we're not even. Yeah, we're, we'll take any cotton in that has good coffee. Yeah, we have a real podcast. It's really on iTunes. Is it? So yeah, and um, I so should know that, shouldn't I? It's real. Like it's it's we're real legit. We're big time now. We're big time. Yeah. So welcome to Tuesdays at two. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Hello, all here. four of you. <laughs> yeah, most times. Sometimes it's been busy the last couple weeks, so we apologize. Man, I don't even know. When's the last time we did this? It seems like it's been a while. Was it 2017? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a minute since we've met or done this, and so we're back, and in all likelihood, we won't do it next week. Cause we probably won't because it's a holiday week. It's a holiday week. The service is a little bit different. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So don't let that keep like there, there's no sermon on Sunday. So definitely well, there, there's always a sermon. Brad's there because yeah. in 17 years he's always given us. <laughs> but it'll be a mini sermon. A mini sermon in the Lord's Supper. So um, I have a question. You do? I do. I have a question for you. For me? Uh huh. Okay. And so if you are in a life group and your life group is um, going through and doing sermon discussion, yep. Like most of them are. Uh huh. Um, then. This will be a helpful uh, conversation for you to like think through some stuff and and um, maybe if you haven't even met in your life group yet, you can bring these answers and just know that you're getting the right answer because Dr. Scott is answering them. So somebody is. <laughs> do you think, Scott? I have a question for you. Do you think that people associate the size of a church with God's favor or blessing? Yes. That's a great intro question. Who wrote that question? I don't know. I think I got that from somebody. <laughs> no. Uh, Why do you I think say Brad, I think Brad did. Brad so, uh, Why do you say yes to that? I, th- I think it's just, I think in general, um, people have this association that God's blessing means, like I said, numerical blessing necessarily. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been said that uh, if Jesus was evaluated by the size of the, his congregation after his years of ministry... That he probably would have been in some some people's eyes a failure because of the uh, number of people that were willing to follow him. Yeah. So I mean, even you know, up in the Acts, there was what 120 people in the upper room, which yep. is a pretty big upper room, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's bigger than my upper room. Bigger than this room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we might probably get 20 people in it. That had to be pretty small, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. But uh, I I think so. I think there's a sense that if you're doing it right. That there'll be more people there, and God's drawing more people there, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. So, do you think that if a church is big, that means it's not? Ah, so it could go both ways. Can't it? <laughs> so, size, uh, larger size doesn't necessarily mean God's blessing, and smaller size doesn't necessarily mean God's blessing. You can be in a small church that's not doing, being faithful, right, mm-hmm. and in a big church that's not being faithful. So I think we can... We but can, you could also be in a big church that is. 
or small church that and is, also right? Is. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of factors there. I mean, Paul went to different places, and the response was not always the same. So what, like, what do you think we should do about church size? Like, is that is that even something that's worth us like paying attention to? Do you think? I mean, I think it it, it probably there are a lot of factors there as far as the ability to shepherd the people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a counseling side, I see folks that aren't real connected. And that doesn't necessarily mean that leadership or, or the structures could be a place and people start taking advantage of. But, I mean, I, I do think sometimes you, you, could, you could get large enough where if the growth was so fast, yeah, um, it might be hard to keep up to, to some degree. But, I mean, if God's the one adding them, mm-hmm. he's really the one doing it. And mm-hmm. you're just, you know, then, I mean, are we going to say, no, God, we, we won't take any more people? So uh, there, is, there is some capacity to the building, obviously. Uh, coming from a church similar to this one, where the church had uh, nine, well, by the time I was there, $6 million in debt. Um, that does I think push. we'd take that. <laughs> I think we would as well. <laughs> the difference is we're moving the opposite direction. They are not. Mm. So uh, instead of our budget going up, I had to carve the budget down by $470,000. So we had almost a $2 million budget when I was there, and then we carved it down. <laughs> So, so we, we carved it down a good bit uh, to, to, to make it uh, more, um, I guess, in line with our giving. Yeah. So, so um, if you're on Facebook, uh, <laughs> do us a favor and share this. Get, help us get the word out um, so your followers can know and can see. Uh, if you are on iTunes listening to this, not on Tuesday at 2 in the middle of the afternoon because you have a job or something like that. Um, we'd be more than happy to uh, take your five-star ratings and reviews. So, so you're, you're kind of projecting out there people are going to listen to this, right? Yeah. Oh, they do. Okay. They do. That's they good. actually download this more than the sermon. So <laughs> I believe the people have spoken is what that sounds like to me. Of course, there are a thousand people listening to that on Sunday, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, okay. That would be correct. So okay. um, also, I just want to point out that this podcast brought to you by IHOP. So, um, let's go back. Let's ask. I got a couple more questions for you. So you verse 8 uh, here in Revelation chapter 3. This is a letter to the church in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the things that Jesus commended the church at Philadelphia for in verse 8? Well, specifically in the text, and I think Pastor Brad put it in you know, a little bit more clearer points, but um, he basically said, look, uh, you, you're being faithful. And, uh, well, in a specific word, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a little power, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So uh, that's pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. So that's what he says in verse 3. So here's a question that uh, great. <laughs> Where are you getting these great questions from, Nick? Actually, this one comes from your boss. He said, in Revelation 3.10, is Revelation 3.10 definitive proof of a pre-trib rapture? <laughs> Absolutely. It's got to be. Can you explain what all that stuff means real quick? <laughs> no, no, not real quick. I can't. Um, what's we're going to continue this podcast theme. What's pre-trib mean? Pre-trib means that um, before a tribulation or the uh, tribulation of God on the earth, His wrath being poured out, that uh, there's going to there's be this great time of testing on earth. And so through this great time of testing where God is actually um, bringing about judgment on this world, not, not final eternal judgment, but judgment on this earth, where 
there's a lot of suffering. There's the intense amount of suffering. You know, it's it's been intensified. Suffering's been intensified and condensed into a time period where it's going to be so. Pretty, there's several different views on. There's, there's pre, mid, like what are post. All the, yeah. There's pre. Uh, there's post. There's mid tribulation. So that that's under the uh, understanding that there's going to be a time of testing on earth. That's the tribulation, the great tribulation. And this is one of those uh, places in the Bible that people lean on. Yeah. So this hour of testing. Um, clearly Matthew 24 and 25 talk about this a little bit. There are different views on this. Yep. Some people think it's already happened. Hmm. Um, it just depends on where you fall on the spectrum there. Yep. And some people think it's, you know, this when it comes to our end-time theology, the, the $5 word for that is eschatology. The study of end times. That's only a $5 word? Well, maybe 15 I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think people have heard that so much from all the books that have been out there about this. But yes, Pastor Brad really believes this is... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, he asked the question. So. Well, it, it, it's a great question. I think, I think people ought to send emails to Pastor Brad if they had his email address, which they don't probably. But I think they should because I think he's going to do a whole series on uh, the end times. <laughs> nice. I wonder if he's still watching. Uh, probably um, not anymore. <laughs> so here's here's my question, and um, back to our whole like church size, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So you can be big church and faithful, or you can be small church and faithful, or you can be big church and unfaithful, or sure. small church and unfaithful. Okay, so there's all kinds of uh, variances there. Um, how do you think that? church marketing campaigns would be different if Jesus were writing them. Well, let's think about this. Um, what are the words that normally show up in, in church marketing campaigns? I mean, in the last... I've seen a lot of them. I was a church planner at one time, so I've seen a lot of them. So, so I'm blanking right now. Help me out. Okay, so... You so, obviously have some in mind. Well, I, I probably did. I, mean, I might blank out as well, but let's... You know, uh, that church is alive. So, you you know, you'll hear people say that a lot. Um that church is powerful. Uh, that's that's one of the ones. Come for a powerful, live, uh, and a live, uh, relevant um, experience. experience. And Jesus comes out and says, hey, you have a little power. Hmm. So, so imagine us promoting this church. Come to our church. We have a little power. And, so, uh, and, and his words aren't real flashy, are they? No. And so I just wonder sometimes if... And, and look, granted, marketing is somewhat is geared toward those who aren't in the church. But sometimes, maybe maybe we're trying to appeal to people more than we're really trying to um, receive Jesus' favor. Hmm. Just just in the way we communicate. Yeah. So if we say it the right way, the people are going to automatically come in here. And, and as if we take Brad's philosophy, I, there, more eternal impact could happen from 100 committed followers and thousands of fans. Hmm. So if we market the church a certain way, well, we draw a lot of fans but not a lot of committed followers. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's where that question is kind of going there. So, not that it can't be both. Yeah. So this conversation to a degree seems like it's a good thing for you and I to think about because we work at a church. Sure. And we have to think about, like, like are, we, are we handling this stuff correctly and all, that, all those things. Sure. But, so someone out there listening, someone out there watching – um, they're just like a casual, normal, like church attender. Mm-hmm. Um, how is this passage? Because we've been like, hey, be faithful and yep. don't worry about all the like things the world cares about. How would something like this, um, how, how does it, how is it relevant in their life? Like, how well, does this play out? This church, this church, this passage, this, these ideas about 
faithfulness and, you know, um, being committed at that level? Well, you know, I think one of the things that's been real intriguing, and it's, it's not that's not Scripture, Jesus doesn't give a lot of words when he talks to each church. He, he's basically saying, look, um, this is what I reward, right? There's going to come a time where what, what seems to be clear always in most of these is that the way Jesus sees things might be quite different than the way people see things. Hmm. And so there's a level of, of I think, self-deception that Jesus is trying to expose there. And so like with Sardis, it, one of the one of the things he says there is your deeds aren't com- your deeds aren't complete in my sight, and that's that's a phrase that's used in the Bible a lot hmm. in the sight of God. So you got judges as one of those prime examples where people did what was right in their own eyes, yeah. and God continues to emphasize what's right in His eyes. Hmm. And so I think there's a sense that just because people accept it, and just because more people are there, doesn't necessarily mean that that you're receiving the favor of Jesus, because in fact. Only two out of seven churches didn't receive any condemnation, right? Yeah. And and this church particularly being the smallest because their faithfulness to Jesus and the fact that they, they didn't deny his name. So I think that's kind of interesting. In the culture they were there that Jesus said, you didn't deny my name. I just wonder sometimes if we're so afraid of offending people. Hmm. Now, we can offend people with, with things that, are, that we shouldn't offend people with. Sure. Yeah, but sure. living for the truth and standing and up for how. the... Yeah, and Yeah, our, our manner, our tone, all that. But there's an extent where... If you look at Jesus' disciples, Jesus himself, when he, when he spoke deeper words, a lot of people left him. And then when Jesus spoke the truth, he got nailed to a cross. Hmm. And then when Jesus' followers did that, they were locked up and imprisoned and beaten for it. Mm-hmm. And they prayed for boldness. So, so I think when, when we're really preaching the gospel and really talking about change and really pushing people toward this commitment to follow Christ, it's not always going to be received well in the culture. And, and, and look... I think people understand that in lots of other contexts. If you're going to play on the NFL team, you're going to have to be committed, right? Right. You work at your job, they don't want you. To, you know, they don't want you to be a lukewarm like the next church. Uh, so I think there's a sense there. I just, I think, making sure that we're, if Jesus is going to build his church, are we following what Jesus said? Will actually build his church? Hmm. And and Nike and all these marketing companies and things like that are, are probably not necessarily they may attract fans as pastor brad said but will they really attract committed followers yeah so that i guess that's where the rub is i don't know if that answers it or not but well i I, like do you think pastor brad made a a mention on sunday he said i think that christians today or the church today i can't remember which one he used um but could stand to endure or face more persecution yeah what do you think about that do you agree disagree well i think the history of the church, you have to agree because, um, I mean, there is a famous famous church uh, historian or father, Tertullian, who said the blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. And so in places where the church is being persecuted, it almost always grows. And I think, I think if we were probably proclaiming the gospel more directly, mm-hmm. we probably would have probably more persecution. No. So, oh, okay. That's interesting. So... Are you saying that the church in general or people in people general? People in I think people I, I think we we preach truth here obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think if there was more evangelism going on and, and I'm guilty of it as well. So this is not yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if if you're out there telling this world that we live in of of tolerance that there's only one way. Okay? And and that's what we believe, right? Yeah. Um Jesus. Jesus is the only way and Following Jesus faithfully, according to this, 
they, they had good, but Jesus seemed to say, look, you have some bad teaching there. You have some immorality in there, and, and that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think he was maybe a little more direct, a little bit more to the point sometimes than we can be. Hmm. And that, now look, this is the church, so we're not talking about the culture, but the church going out into the culture proclaiming that there's one way to be saved and that if you don't, I mean, like, like you know, the Apostle Peter said, be saved from this perverse generation. Well, what would happen if we went out and said that today? Be saved from this perverse generation. Yeah. They probably, I, I doubt we'd have as many fans. Yeah. So. Do you think that the lack of, like, do you think that the, some of the lack of persecution that we potentially experience, like, how, like, maybe you feel like you're experiencing intense persecution, but I would say, by and large, in this country, we have, we still have, compared to, like, Canada and Europe and some of those countries, we still have quite a bit of religious liberties. Oh, like, yeah. There's, everyone has it, right? Like, yep. that's the whole tolerance movement. Yep. Like, we have religious liberties, but so do Muslims and so do yep. Buddhists and so do, like, all the way through. So, do you think more intense persecution um, would be, like, do you think it would, it would call people's, like, true commitment into question? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if it costs more to be associated with something— you know, out, outside the walls here, then you're only going to commit to that if it was really valuable to you. Because if the, if, the, the, if the gain by being in here is not as high as it should be, then the loss out there to some people, the loss out there is going to be higher than the gain in here. Mm-hmm. And Paul flipped that around, of course. Paul said, you know, he counted everything as, you know, everything he lost, the gain of gaining Christ was more important than everything he lost there. I don't think most people probably see it that way. So, I mean, it's, it, that's the way it is in lots of cultures where it's not as much. I mean, I have a friend in, in Alaska, and I have one in California. I came from the South, so everybody in the South is a Christian. Right. And so, uh, and not as much here, but there's still, you know, it still permeates culture a good bit. Um, but clearly, when the stakes are raised for being a part of something, and there's some view that you look at us differently— I, I do think that probably purifies a little bit of, of those who decide they're going to be a part of this. So do you, like, do you think that um, the, or like, I lost my question, but now I got it. <laughs> um, how do you think you can tell the difference between being a fan and a follower? Like, what are some, like, marks? Well, I think, I think you know, and some of these are hard to qualify completely, but the fruit of the Spirit, obviously, um, if if you're following Christ and you have love, joy, peace, patience, you know, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and you know, kindness, other ones that are in there as well. That that's that's clearly the identifying um, markers. Yeah, markers of the faith. But I think what we go back to all the time, Nick, in, in the context of community, you have a chance to be sinned against and sinned against others. Hmm. And so I, I've always looked at this way: like um, my wife and I, our marriage continues to grow. But I know when I got married, I was shocked that for myself that there were things inside me and as a parent that I don't always like to see in myself. And so when you live in close you know, proximity with other people, um, you, you, can't, you can't lay down your life for another person. You can't regard the interest of one another more important than your own unless you're close enough to those people there. And so at a distance, it's easy to, to keep um, you know, some of that hidden. 
But in the context of everyday life, there those things show up there. And so the way you live and the way you function with other people really shows how you love your love for God. Your you know faith works itself out through love. Galatians five six says so. Love is exp- is, is demonstrated in relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so the best way to see if people really love God uh, and and First Corinthians thirteen is a great example. You can have knowledge and power and all these things, but not have love. Hmm. And Paul said, hey, the sign of being an adult is when you actually put away childish things and grow up and be an adult. Yeah. And adults love well. Yeah. And so in, in the faith, you know, kids squabble and, you know, and we do as well sometimes, but how you work through relationships to, to, uh, to represent God in the midst of that, that's, that's probably the, the best place to see, which is why Jesus said, hey, when the world sees that you have love for them, then they'll know you're my disciple. So if someone's out there listening or watching and they're like, man, I, I, I want to be more like the people at the church at Philadelphia, more faithful, um, like to Jesus and, and less of a fan and all those things, what would be one just quick practical thing that you would suggest to them? Like, hey, if, if that's you, I'll challenge you to do blank. Well, and I know it's going to sound like it's a repeat because, I mean— Everything in Scripture is not going to be novel that you get from the first book to the last book. There are similarities there. But one of the things that was set this church apart was their value in Jesus' word. Hmm. And so they they really tried to seem to build their world around the authority and sufficiency of this. Yeah. Now, they didn't have this whole book, obviously, right? Right. But they tried to honor Jesus' word. And I think in the American church, we know a lot about Jesus' word, but we don't necessarily value obedience to Jesus' word all the time. Hmm. So, so knowing it and, and being aware of it doesn't necessarily mean we're changing. Hmm. And so I think that's the point is Jesus is pleased when we obey his word. So not necessarily like inhale more knowledge, though that's good, but only good if it, if it bears itself out in obedience yeah. and how we walk and if the it, decisions If it's changing us, and, yeah. If it's changing the way we live our lives and... and uh, you know that the Bible says that demons believe in God, <laughs> yeah. but and tremble, but they they don't obey it. So you, would you say it's like leaning on God's word as opposed to leaning on our own understanding? <laughs> you know what? It's amazing <laughs> you said that. I I would because I still think that is one of those verses that signifies a lot of the Bible is our tendency is to what I call live anti Proverbs thirty five. Hmm where we have a tendency, our natural default is to lean on our own understanding. And we might not even realize what we're doing. That's just our natural, to be independent, to be self-sufficient. Yeah. So that's a good question. Like a good, um, it, like ask yourself as you're listening or watching, like is there anything that I'm leaning on my own understanding now as opposed to the wisdom from Scripture? In fact, that's a question here. So if you are uh, in life group this week, you may wrestle through that question. So challenge you to start thinking about it, asking it. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Anything else from this sermon or this passage that you want to highlight that we didn't really cover? Yeah, because I mean we're going over Pastor Brad's sermon, and he's only got thirty-five minutes, roughly, right? So it's it's yeah. he can't cover it all. Nope. But one of the things him That's and I did, we're here for. Yeah, him and I even talked about this last week. You know, there's a sense that this church was small, and this synagogue of Satan was probably putting them down, and and so there was probably a, some level of of condemnation from them. Yeah. And so one of the things I love about this is. Yeah, Jesus is going to judge them, but he says, um, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Hmm. And so there's an essence that Jesus is going to show them in the end that I love these people. And so, yes, there's there's some fact that he's going to hold them up as an example. And all along, they thought they were right, and he's going to say, no, I I love these people. And so there's there's this, Jesus will reward faithfulness. And, and having, just like for him, well done, my good and faithful servant, 
He's basically going to say, these are my, my brothers and sisters that I love. Yeah. So it'll be worth it one day. That'll be worth it. Man, I feel that way right now, but... But imagine that. You know, people think about rewards and all that stuff. In the presence, all these people who think they're right, he's going to hold you up and say, I love them. Yeah. And I spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Um, thank you guys for listening and watching. Um, if you are local here, we'd love to have you on Sunday for our famous Thanksgiving service, um, extended time of worship and prayer and Lord's Supper, all that, all that good stuff. So we don't want you to miss out on that. Um, continue to bring in your Thanksgiving boxes, Christmas boxes. Thanksgiving boxes are due on Sunday. So if you have one and you're at home listening to this or watching on Facebook and you look over in the corner of your kitchen and you see a box, get up right now, go to the store and fill it. Bring it on Sunday. So, How do they know what to fill it with? Uh, it's online at LHC.life. Where do they find it on LHC.life? You scroll all the way to the right, and it's the last card. <laughs> good good information. I found it on Sunday as I was getting ready to close, and I figured I should probably know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> That's awesome. But that's the thing. Even sometimes I don't know if I didn't, like have all the answers and stuff, yep. but... I go to LHC.life, and it has all the information. So it's fairly intuitive? It's amazing. Okay. I love it. So <laughs> anyway, uh, check it out. Love to have you. Love to see those coming back in. Um, but again, super excited about that. Until next time, thanks for watching Tuesday at 2. 2. <laughs> Did you see all of Brad's comments? Oh, man, he's killing us, isn't he?